Good morning, Orchard Hills. Good to see all of you here. Welcome to everybody who's in the room. Welcome to everybody online. We're really glad that you all have joined us for worship this morning. Uh, Scott is in the DR, uh, the Dominican Republic. Uh, He's there with Kevin Hughes um, and Brenda Simmons, who's on staff in our children's ministry, uh, and a number of other people from the church. So you're stuck with me. I'm sorry. Um, But please be in prayer for Scott and the team. They're going to be training pastors uh, and investing in those relationships that we have there. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, My name is Sutton Wirt. I uh, have the privilege to get to serve here as your pastor for community care, and I'm excited to open the Word of God here this morning. So at the start of the year, we like to get uh, back to the basics, so to speak, of who we are and what we're about as a church Um, And so in the coming weeks, we're actually going to be going back through a resource that we put together about a year ago uh, called the Five Gospel Minimums. And what these are uh, is a little bit of a discipleship sort of toolkit, if you will. Um, For years now, we have been focused on the idea of being disciples here at Orchard Hills. Uh, This comes from Matthew 28, the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends to the Father. He says, go and make disciples. You, my disciples, who I've taught, go and make other disciples. Teach other people how to follow me. And so we believe that is the mission that Jesus has left the church with, and we want to take that seriously. Um, And so while that involves all kinds of things, it involves what we're doing here today, uh, we wanted to put together these simple graspable, practical resources that can help you as you follow Jesus. And so that's, uh, that's what these things are. And so uh, today we're going to look at the first of these five gospel minimums. And the first one is this, be a disciple. Uh, before you can make disciples, before you can share the good news of Jesus, that has to become real to you. You have to be a disciple, someone who's learning from Jesus so that you can share him with others. And, and for every one of these minimums, we've attached a resource to it. And so the resource for this one uh, is soaping or soap journaling, which many of you have uh, heard of before if you've been here any amount of time. If not, don't worry, uh, I'll explain it today. Let me go ahead and pray, and then uh, we'll get into this resource, and I'll explain it, and then we'll look at some scripture together. Lord Jesus, we uh, come before you wanting Um, more than any teaching of man wanting to be taught by you. Um, Lord, you have revealed yourself to us, and and we praise you for that, and so we want to know you more. Uh, Lord, I also, um, I just pray against the notion that's kind of in modern Christianity that you could be a Christian without being a disciple. Um, that's not something that the scripture knows anything about. And so help us to bring those things together. That if, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to bear your name, uh, we need to be learning to live and to love and to lead just the way that you did. Um, and so we pray that you would do that in our hearts. Uh, set us apart, Holy Spirit. Uh, make us more like Jesus, we pray. Through this time, we give it to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> so... At the most basic level, a disciple is, is someone who has a relationship with God, is in 
right relationship with God through repentance and faith, trusting in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Someone who's been brought into that that intimate relationship and now is learning and growing to become a person who lives in the world the same way that Jesus did. And so discipleship then is this process of becoming like Jesus. It's, it's this whole lifelong thing where you and I are becoming more and more formed into someone who looks like Christ. Um, it's living life with him and him kind of rubbing off on us as we become like him. And so if we're going to live life with, with Jesus, if we're going to be in a constant relationship with God, then what does that look like? God is invisible, And he's much higher and beyond our comprehension. And so how can you and I be in relationship with God? Well, the most basic pieces of that are pretty ordinary things. Um, The building blocks of a relationship with God are scripture and prayer. Pretty average, ordinary things. In scripture, we have God's very own words spoken about himself. God's words about himself spoken through his spirit, written down by people and preserved for us even today. In the Bible, we get to know who God is. And in prayer, we respond to God. If this is God communicating to us, then prayer is our response. Our our response of praise or worship, our response of Uh, a request or a thanksgiving, prayer is our response to God, us pouring out our heart to him and waiting to hear how he might respond through his word and through his spirit. And so this resource um, that we call soaping uh, is really a simple, practical way for you to begin to meet with God in scripture and in prayer. And this is how it works. Uh, First, you grab a journal Uh, If you don't have a journal, it could even be a piece of paper. Uh, Heck, it could even be the notes on your phone. Um, So you grab something to to write with or type with. Uh, You start with the date. You start with a passage of scripture that you're going to read for the day. Um, And then you're ready to soap. So um, soap is not a a new cleanliness strategy, um, although... Some of you, I could, I could make use of that. Um, but SOAPing uh, is just an acronym, um, and it stands for this. The, the S is for Scripture, then Observation, Application, and Prayer. So let's walk through those real quick. You start with Scripture. So you read a passage. Uh, maybe you've chosen to read a chapter of a certain book a day. Or maybe even less than that, you, you're reading just a little chunk of a chapter a day, however much you read, you, you read that scripture, ponder it a little bit, and then pick out one verse, just one verse. Um, no cheating, no saying, oh, I just got the whole passage, or I picked three verses, just one verse. Uh, so you take that verse and you write it down, uh, not just the reference, but actually write the words of the verse out. You'll be amazed uh, how things hit you different when you actually just take the time to write out the verse. Uh, And then next, the O, write down a couple of observations. So this could be something about who God is, something about what he has done, uh, something, maybe a new connection that you're seeing or a question that you have. Whatever it might be, write down some observations, just some things that jump out to you as you ponder on that verse. 
Uh, next, the A is application. Uh, so take the things that you've observed uh, and then turn them into an application. If you've seen something new about God, then maybe you want to remember that. Maybe, maybe that affects how you view yourself, or maybe God's saying something about who you are. Maybe there's something you need to repent of, or there's something in your life you need to do differently, or to start doing, or to stop doing. Turn your observations into an application. And then finally, the P, pray. Don't ever read Scripture without praying. If the point of Scripture is God communicating to you who he is, then then don't let it be a one-way conversation. Respond to him. Respond to what he said to you. Respond to how he's revealed himself. Let him know what you're struggling with. Let him know what questions you have. Give him your sorrows, your joys, your requests, your thanksgivings. If you need help with something in your life, if you're seeing something that you want to start doing or stop doing, you can't do that on your own. You can't transform your heart, but God can. And so ask him, Lord, I need help with this. I've read something in your word and it's hard and I need your help. I need your help to do it. And he will. So don't ever leave scripture without turning to God in prayer, because that's what it's about. It's about that relationship. Even if it's just a one-sentence prayer that you're writing at the end of your soap journal or a more extended time of prayer, those things belong together. They're the building blocks of relationship with God. So, does that make sense? Soaping or soap journaling? Um, Great. Rather than just give you a resource that you may or may not do anything with, um, we're actually going to practice this right here, right now. Um, When you came in, You had a journal on your seat. Uh, If you didn't, you can grab one from the seat close to you. Um, And so get those out and uh, go ahead and write the date at the top. And the passage of scripture that we're going to soak together is John 17, 1 through 5. Um, If you're watching online, uh, feel free to run and grab a journal, piece of paper, note on your phone. Uh, If you want one of these journals, you're welcome to come here during the week. Um, We will give you one. I'd probably even mail you one if you email me, Um, but maybe that's not worth the price. So maybe I'll bring it to your house. Anyway, however you want to do it, um, these journals are for you. So grab those, open those, date, passage. Um, The passage, again, is John 17, verses 1 through 5. Um, If you don't have a Bible, then I would suggest get a Bible that you love and that you can read and that you can understand. There's tons of different translations out there. Um, So if you don't have one, what better thing for you to invest in than a Bible? Um, But also, if you don't have one, uh, we have some for you right there in front of the seat. You're welcome to use those here. You're welcome to take it with you um, if you need it. So grab those out. It's page 1070 of those Bibles, um, if that's what you have in front of you. So this passage that we're going to read is just five verses. Um, It comes at the end, uh, near the end of of Jesus's ministry on the night before um, he's to go to the cross, the night that he's betrayed. Uh, He's just had the Last Supper with his friends. Um, He has taken time to to share with them all kinds of deep insights about who he is and and what's going on, and what's about to take place. And then here at the end of their time together, he, he turns to the Father in prayer. And so this is a really, a really sweet scene that we're stepping into. Um, John 17, 1 through 5. Let me pray real quick. 
Lord Jesus, we ask uh, that as we look at this passage that you'd speak to us. Um, We don't just want it to be words on a page. We want to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'll read it for us. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. The time has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all that whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Amen. All right, now we're going to soap. So I'll give us about three minutes or so. Um, pick one of those verses, one of the five, write it down, observation, application, and a prayer. All right? If y'all can put on some instrumental music, I'll set a little timer on my phone.
y'all. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Looks like most of you have have finished. I know there wasn't a whole lot of time. How'd it go? Let's have a show of hands. Who who picked verse one? Ryan, my man. Man, not a lot of people pick verse one. All right, Carol, that's awesome. Verse two. Anybody? Nice, Christian. Okay, a couple folks. Verse three. Okay, that was a little more popular. Nice. Verse 4. Okay, a lot of people had that one too. And verse 5. Very good. Awesome. Sweet. Kind of cool. You all picked different verses. Different things stood out to different people. Um, now that wasn't so hard, was it? You didn't know you were going to have to have to work today. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but in just a few minutes, we have not only read Scripture... But, but we've gone a lot deeper than that. We've engaged with Scripture. Uh, we've noted some things about it. We've, we've turned it into application for our lives so it's practical. And we're not just hearers of the word, but doers, like James says. And then we've prayed and asked God for his help and, and turned it into a response of, of whatever it might be to him. That's, that's the building blocks of relationship with God. It's that simple. And and this is a simple, easy-to-use tool, easy to remember. Anyone from middle school to Rick's age can do it. Um, and you already have the things that you need to do it. You're equipped. And, and so I hope that that is useful to you. Now, to be clear, we are not saying that this is the be-all, end-all, and this is, should be the total of your relationship with God. Certainly, there's a lot more than this simple tool. Um, I'm also not saying that everyone has to use this tool. If you've got an incredible devotional plan, um, if you're using some other method or you're deep in some inductive Bible study, then praise God, keep after that. You do not have to substitute uh, this for that. Um, But if you do not have a regular uh, habit a regular practice of meeting with God through scripture and prayer, then I beg you, please use this tool. Use this. God has given us his word to meet with him there. Don't miss it. Um, And as Scott said last week, there is no excuse for biblical illiteracy. Um, there's no excuse for biblical illiteracy. We are the most resourced generation of the church in history. There are all kinds of ways for you to get into this book, for you to learn it and understand it and grow in it. Don't miss this. We've got the tools. We just need to use them. Now, while I would love to go around the room and hear all of your thoughts, um, that would probably take about as long as Scott's sermon did last week. And so uh, we won't do that. Um, but I'm just, well, I'll just share a couple of brief thoughts um, on what we soaked together. So if you're wondering, um, I picked verse 3. That was the right answer. The rest of you guys are wrong. Just kidding. There's no wrong answer. But let's read that together again. Verse 3 says this. Jesus says this. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So let's back up a little bit here. Why are we doing this? Why are we presenting this resource to you? Why are we so serious 
about people getting in the scriptures and being in prayer and doing those things together? The answer is very simple. It's right here in this verse. So that people might know God. So that we might know him. That is the goal. That is the point of what we're doing here at church. That is the point of the Christian life. That is the purpose for which we were made. Jesus says it is actually the very definition of what it means to be saved, to have eternal life. To have eternal life is to know God for who he is, for how he's revealed himself. And that word know does not uh, just mean a head knowledge, although it certainly is that, and I think we've lost some of that in the church today. But more than that, it's an intimate, personal relationship, a first-hand relationship and communion with the living God. And that is not possible without Scripture. You see, the point of Scripture is not just that we would learn some facts about history or that we would learn about some some cultures that existed long ago. The point of Scripture is not even that we would uh, have some wise advice for how to live or understand more of ourselves. All of those things are in there, and all of those things are good and valuable. But first and foremost, Scripture is God's self-revelation. Let me say that again. Scripture is God's self-revelation. He is invisible and he is beyond our understanding. So if you are going to know God, then he is going to have to reveal himself to you. And he has in the Bible. God chose to reveal himself to people and he chose to do it through powerful actions in history that were recorded and explained in a book that that we have, that he wrote, that was inspired by his spirit, written down by people over hundreds of years. God has spoken. He has revealed himself to us. And so if you are a seeker, if you want to know more than this world has to offer, if you want to know God, then look right here at the Bible. These words are alive and active, and through them, the Holy Spirit uses them as a window to bring you into the very presence of the living, almighty, holy God. We can know him truly know him because he has revealed himself to us and he's done it through scripture and he does it through his spirit. As his spirit opens our eyes to understand what is written and to experience him. That's why we're doing this. That's why this is such a big deal. And let me say this. um, There are, I think, two ways that we can miss this. Two ways we can kind of get this wrong on either side. On the one hand, we we can have the scripture without the prayer. And so maybe you hear me talking about this, and you're like, okay, fine, fine. I will read some scripture every day. And so you work it into your life, you just kind of force it in there, and you make it this, this habit that just becomes this dead, lifeless thing, this box that you check that fails to achieve the very purpose that it was meant to have, that you would know God. The point of The point of studying and knowing scripture isn't scripture. The point is a relationship with God. So don't miss it that direction. But the other way that we can miss it, and I think uh, that more often than not, this is what is happening in the church today, um, is that we've got people who maybe 
are trying to have that relationship with God, and so they pray some, but they don't read the Bible. And so we, we throw up some prayers, or we, you know, kind of talk to God about some stuff, or ask for things, or we maybe pray at a meal. But all the while, we're ignoring everything that God has had to say about himself. And so, so many of us are praying to a God that we do not know because we haven't taken the time to get to know him. And we're wondering what's going on in our lives and we're confused and we don't have answers and, and we have these expectations of God that might not even be right expectations because we're trying to get to know someone who has already revealed themselves to us and we're ignoring the revelation. Too many of us are praying to a God that we do not know and all the while he has spoken and it's right here in front of us. Too many of us are praying to a God we do not know because we failed to prioritize study of the word, meditation on the word, and the reading of his word. Why is that? Why do we struggle so hard with it? If you're having a hard time, I don't want you to feel alone. It's hard. It's hard to get into this book. It's big. It's old. It's long. It's complicated. It's got lots of different genres and, and poetic imagery uh, and historical context that you kind of have to dig into to get some of the stuff that's going on. And all the while, you and I lack time we lack interest, we lack discipline, we're just kind of lazy, uh, we're easily distracted. All of that is true. All of that is true. But here's what I know. Underneath all of that, there is an enemy of our souls. There is an enemy of our souls who Jesus said comes to steal and kill and destroy. And from the beginning, he has whispered in the ears of the people of God, did God really say? Did God really say? That's what the snake said to Eve in the garden. And so from the beginning, he has caused us to doubt and question and disregard God's words. And if he can do that, if he can cut us off from this, this way that God has provided to know him, if he can disarm us from the one offensive weapon we have against his lies, then he's won. He's gained victory over us. Just from pulling, pulling us away and distracting us from this book. And if what Jesus said is true, if knowing God is eternal life, then not knowing God is eternal death. And the enemy has succeeded in stealing, killing, and destroying and dragging us down with him. Friends, there is spiritual war going on here. There is war in the heavenly realm for whether or not you get into this book. And maybe that sounds crazy, and it is, but it's true. Jesus said that man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, your spirit, your soul needs the word of God more than your body needs food. And I would say most of us are probably pretty malnourished. 
Don't let the enemy deceive you any longer. Settle for nothing less than deep and intimate knowledge of God through the gift of his word. You can do this, you know. It's not too hard. It's before us. It's attainable. You can do this, but you cannot do this in your own strength. You can't do it alone. You need the Holy Spirit to change your heart, to give you a desire. If you don't want this, then just tell God, God, your word doesn't make sense. I don't have any desire for it. And he will wake up an appetite for his word in your heart and in your life. He'll do it. Don't be afraid to ask him. Don't be afraid to admit that this doesn't interest you. Maybe that means you don't really know him. Maybe you don't have your spirit in him. That's a wonderful thing to recognize that is true about you because he is ready and willing to meet you today to reveal himself to you and welcome you into relationship with him. You can't do it alone. You need the Holy Spirit and you need friends. It is so hard to follow Jesus on our own. We're made to live in community. We can't do this by ourselves. We need people to hold us accountable, to ask us what we've been learning and what we've been reading and what we've been growing in. Read with your spouse, read with a friend, get in a, a small group or a life group. Don't do this alone. Or you're just playing into the enemy's schemes to cut you off, to keep you isolated. But with God's spirit and with his people, you can know and love his word. And through it, you can do what you were made to do. You can know and love the living God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to know you more. And, and for those of us who don't, and for the parts of all of us who, are, who don't, who are resistant and hesitant, Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us freshly this morning through these words, through this time of communion. Lord Jesus, we want to know you. Forgive us for settling for less. Forgive us for believing the, the lies of the world, the distractions and the pleasures that the enemy uh, tempts us with. Forgive us for thinking those are better than you. There's no one like you. And there's nothing like knowing you. So Lord, I pray for, for all of us in the room, um, Lord, that you would wake up a hunger and a thirst for your word in us, that you'd wake up a hunger and a thirst for your presence in us, that daily we would wake and before our stomachs are hungry for food, our spirits would be hungry for you and that we'd go straight to your word and straight to prayer to find you. Lord, for anyone in this room who feels uh, discouraged or condemned, I pray that that would not be the case. I pray against the enemy uh, using this in that way. Um, Lord, the good news is that you have saved and redeemed us by your blood. You have done everything that we have failed to do. And so this is no work. This is no performance that we do to get you to earn, uh, to get to, to earn your love. But this is a response to the love that you have shown us. And so, Jesus, we pray. Um, that you would stir in all of our hearts, whether here in the room or, or at home, a, a longing to respond to you. Lord, we love you. 
Thank you for revealing yourself to us, how good you are. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen.